Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back, and it is a new season over here at Geek Top 5. It is, uh, Graham and I are double-vaxxed. Toronto is in stage two, which is kind of like almost being back to normal, sort of, maybe, probably. And uh, I mean, as and, yes, there's still plenty of stuff out there, but we're feeling optimistic. We're going outdoors. I saw the sun for the first time. My skin is slightly less completely translucent. Things are looking up. Welcome to Geek Top 5 Season 5. Oh, it's about time. Isn't it? Isn't it? Man, getting tired of living in my box. Any case, we are still doing this virtually for the moment. Uh, we will probably try to figure out how to get back face-to-face before too long. But uh, for the time being, we are back in the virtual studio, and we are not alone. Graham, why don't you uh, lead us into what is happening here today? Well, this week, we have invited into the Geek Top 5 studios a a uh, intellect, a giant in the educational community. I'm talking about Mark Schranz. Welcome to the show. That's me. And, you know, after <laughs> after such an introduction, um, I can only hope to disappoint everyone thoroughly. <laughs> Good. It's important to start on a high note. Yes, it is. <laughs> So this week, despite all of your amazing credentials, which I'm I'm afraid to even speak, if I start, I don't know when we'll stop because there are so many of them. But this week, you're coming to us as an expert on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It's you know, it's something that I've I thought a lot about my whole life. Uh, I can say a little bit about that. I've been feel like I've been uh, influenced by it. Feel like I try to live up to to the ethics of He-Man, if you will. Um, so I'm I'm very happy to be here and share some of my power with you. <laughs> Do you have a secret alternate identity that is just you with a tan? Uh, that's pretty much me right now. Oh, so you are, oh, so Mark Schranz is your secret identity? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I won't go digging to figure out you know where where does Clark Kent live? We're not going to you know expose <laughs> you to your enemies. I'm just saying, keeping up with the you know the the ethics and the lessons learned from He Man. And the lesson, I mean, certainly one of the lessons I learned is that Superman's Clark Kent disguise wasn't so bad after all, by comparison. <laughs> so that, maybe I'm jumping quite, a, a little true. early. <laughs> oh, no, that's very fair. I just want to give some background on the series. It was uh, it started in like, uh, I think, 1982 is when mm-hmm. the, the action figures came out and a an animated series shortly followed. And uh, it it. As much as 80s cartoons were like crass commercials for action figures, I feel like He-Man took it to a new level. Um, and yet it had a rabid fan base and it worked. It, they sold those toys like like crazy. And um, like I, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the franchise. I had one of the little I had a, like a little book. Um, it wasn't a, it was a storybook. It wasn't a comic book. Mm-hmm. I think it came with a, a cassette tape or a read along thing. And my only I I watched some of the cartoons, but my strongest He-Man memory was being like insanely jealous of other kids who had He-Man action figures. Well, I had uh, I had quite a few. So I'm insanely jealous of you. I have the (laughs) playsets, too. 
<laughs> oh wow yeah so uh, tell how did you get into it what what what's your feelings on on he-man well i i didn't see the original run i was a, a little too young for that um but i saw it in syndication probably when i was gonna say around five or six um and I think I didn't get the action figures until maybe a year after seeing it because I had to convince my parents to buy me uh, buy me some for Christmas. I think by that time, actually, uh, the Shira series had come out as well um, because some of the action figures that I got at that point, including play sets, were were also from Shira. And there's a very interesting story around that, um, which maybe I'll tell now. Knowing me as you do, you'll 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 think this is a completely typical story of me. So I, it was I that, have no doubt. It was that one Christmas, and um, I don't know. I guess I had been good that year, and for once, um, <laughs> and my parents bought me I I don't know how many how many action figures and how many play sets, but just almost all of them, almost all that they could get their hands on, um, and then we're opening them in the in the family living room Christmas day. And one of the play sets they bought me was, uh, was the slime pit from, from the, the Shira series. Um, and the slime pit is just, well, the play set is just a, a mock-up from the series that came with as things did back in those days, actual slime. Um, and so of course I had to play with it right away and it was on the good carpet and, you know, within, I don't know, Five minutes of having opened it, I'd spilled the slime all over the good carpet in the living room. <laughs> and and so my parents uh, devised a, an interesting punishment, which was that they, they took all the toys away from me. Um, and they, uh, they decided to give one back to me uh, every week for however long it would take to get them back. Um, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it. It would have been very effective if I hadn't found the hiding place and started just <laughs> not so gradually sneaking them. Um, yeah, I mean, it was maybe a couple of months before they they realized that that I just completely disregarded their lesson, um, and then they just gave them back to me anyways. Yeah, they figured no more slime since then, so maybe something's been accomplished, right? Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. You. I did lose it all. It all dried all up. The slime? Oh. Yeah. You can you can put it back into the container, but you know, it had bits of carpet on it. Right. Right. You right. want your slime to be clean. Just <laughs> important lesson. And and I feel like uh knowing you as I do, that that is a, a an impressive window into your psyche. Like like I feel like a lot of that story still holds true to this day. The, yeah, the part about spilling slime. I don't. <laughs> well, the part about um, getting in trouble and taking the exact wrong lesson from it, like completely subverting the punishment, not not uh, dealing with the consequences, and just carrying on. I, I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, I the lesson was obviously don't bother punishing me. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a lesson for your parents more than it was for you. I I get it. Not the first uh, and not the last time they learned that lesson. <laughs> so, uh, so what's Shira just for our audience? Shira is, uh, I guess you could say the 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 series that that came out after He Man when it was already ended and was aimed at uh, young girls. Um, 
the the character Shira was um, uh, the the twin sister of Prince Adam, who was also He Man, um, and she similarly had a uh, sort of power that transformed her into you know a very powerful person. She fought uh, basically uh, evil characters from sort of the same area. Um, in fact, uh, the 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 person she fought named, named Hordak was uh, uh, sort of, I guess, um, Skeletor's mentor, who, of course, you know, they, they betrayed each other as, as, as evil people do. Um, and yeah, so it was a, that's actually another sort of, uh, I would say, formative series in my youth. Um, there are some, there's some differences between the two of them. Um, but yeah, both were, uh, both were similarly sort of, um, you might say, moralizing. Um, they have sort of had really nice lessons at the end of them, and uh, nice and good, but but also, you know, as things go, horribly, horribly animated. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, for the time, I mean, it's not like you know, anything else was really a standout if you look at its contemporaries. Hmm. Actually, I, I might say it, it had a bit of both. Like, th- there are some s- moments in that show where it looks like rotoscoped, really high-quality animation. Like, they drew over the top of, of someone running, and it looks like a really fluid, good animation. And then every once in a while, it's just, like, two people standing there, and only their, like, arms and mouths are animated. Mm-hmm. And it goes like the the whiplash going from one scene to the next where the quality changes so drastically. I don't think you care about as a kid, but watching it now, I was a little uh, taken aback by it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, another sort of really interesting quality of the animation, uh, animation, I guess, is the degree to which they reused scenes, Um, not just background scenes, but but foreground scenes too. Um, there's sort of, you know, th- this old joke that uh, there's, you know, there's a bunch of hidden seasons of He-Man in there. If you could only just mix things right and do the audio, uh, and might not even might not even need to come up with new stories. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, you if if you watch it over and over again as many times as I have. Um, yeah, it starts yeah. to feel familiar. It does. It does. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so speaking of Shira, uh, a few years ago they did a reboot of that on Netflix, mm. relaunched it, and um, re- revitalized it a lot in a lot of ways, and made it, um, I guess, more progressive and and uh, trying to find a, a new audience with it. And I think it was fairly successful. It has a pretty rabid fan base, mm. and. Now Netflix is following that up with a, a He-Man reboot, and um, I feel like the fan base is is going to be a, a bit harder to please with that one because they, they those 80s kids who loved He-Man have a very specific image of what they want, and recently a trailer was released for it, a, a short teaser. How did you react to that, Mark? I loved it. Um there were there were just there were so many things um, in that trailer that that stood out to me. Um, I was rewatching it today, actually, and one of the one of the really, I guess I guess you could say standout things, and and you'll see why I say standout in a moment is uh, there's this 
interesting difference the way the the He-Man and and the um, the Prince Adam character are drawn. Famously, you know, in the original series, um, they look exactly the same, except um, He-Man is wearing a He-Man has is tanned, has slightly different colored hair, um, and is wearing you know a loincloth and a metal strap on his chest, whereas Adam is just wearing you know pink and purple shirts and he's he's less tanned um, yeah and in the, the style of the 80s it isn't exactly a shirt either right it's sort of a colored vest yeah with a like very deep tight. v yeah so there was this always, always this question you know how didn't they know how did you know uh, the famous line is that only you know only three people shared a secret um but how did the rest of them not figure it out uh i think it's even uh yeah. Uh, so one of the big differences now is that uh, Prince Adam is sort of a, more of a normal size, I guess, a normal sized human. And so the so the physical difference between He-Man and him is really, really pronounced in this new trailer. Um, you know, which raises a, a lot of interesting questions. Um, so one of the things about the, you know, the original Prince Adam characterization is he sort of, to, to not be discovered as He-Man, he had to act like a buffoon, like he was just lazy all the time, uninterested in anything. Um, and I wonder, you know, I wonder what the the characterization of him will be now in this new series, given that he no longer has that need to act so differently. Yeah, it's, that's a good point, especially since they seem to be taking it very seriously, at least based on the teaser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the original series is, is a little goofy, a little campy. And and I don't think anyone put too much thought into those details when they made the original series. It was just like, here's the setup that we have. Here are the toys that we have. Write stories that fit this. Whereas mm-hmm. now they're sort of really going like in a dark night way, revamping this, making it gritty and real and, and having these epic battles between the characters. Uh it's got it's got a hell of a pedigree behind it. Kevin mm-hmm. Smith, the filmmaker, is seems to he's the showrunner behind it. He's the man in charge. They've got a, a really interesting voice cast. Sarah Michelle Gellar is Tila, who's one of He Man's sidekicks, and Mark Hamill is Skeletor, the the main villain. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the the cast, the voice acting a little bit later. There's something that you you may not realize, and um, once you do, I, I just realized it today because um, I was looking tease. Um, yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna flip out over this, but there's one point about the characterization that I just I can't let pass. Um, it took me a while to notice it, um, and I just noticed it maybe you know 20 minutes before we jumped on here. Um, and it's because I wanted to I wanted to make a joke, and then I realized I couldn't make that joke. Now, All right. so I'm wearing the you know I'm wearing a He-Man uh, shirt right now. It's just a oh, sort yeah. of a, a printed mock-up of sort of He-Man's chest with his armor piece and so they sent me a picture it's he's cosplaying for the podcast i love it i did yeah but i wanted to i wanted to send you a picture with a joke that i was like tweaking the he nipples (laughs) and i realized in the original series no nipples whereas in this trailer he has nipples now (laughs) so this raises interesting questions right i mean he's the most powerful man in the universe he's got to have at least some of the most powerful nipples in the universe. What can they do, right? Can they can they cut through the fabric of space-time in the winter? Are they that hard? 
Who knows, right? <laughs> Who knows? Big question. His, his power set is kind of undefined, isn't it? Mm. Like we get that he's very, very strong, and uh, and he's good with a sword. Yeah, is that a power? Uh, I mean, arguably, he's not even that good with it. He just has no. it. Right. Uh, I mean, he deflects stuff with it. I mean, yeah. you know, he he definitely catches like dragon's breath on it a couple of times at least, and like that's not easy, you know, to do a like a Metal Gear cyborg ninja kind of thing. So there's, but if, I feel like as a prince in a castle, like that fencing is maybe something that they cover. Yeah, you would think so, and there, there are but, certainly, um, there there must be. I feel like there must be scenes where he's doing battle practice with Tila. I mean, I, I think we're also thinking about this from a far too Earth-centric perspective. This is all happening on Eternia. Who knows what sword play they use there? Who knows what happens to nipples out there? It's it's a sci-fi universe with a, a fantasy overlay. That is a fair point. Yeah. Thank you. And in terms of fantasy, I mean, I mean to... to uh, I mean, maybe this is getting a little tired again, but like, it's more like sort like it's more sort of it's not grim, but I mean, he reminds me a lot more of Conan than he does of like you know King Arthur. You know, like in terms of fantasy, it's got more of a like a dark, grim, barbarian origin to it, at least to the design. Yeah, uh, I think I think that was sort of their original intent, right? Um, it was just this uh, big hulking guy that's really super strong and uh you know you you young young boy don't you want to fantasize about being really strong and you know having the power to beat up anyone you want um i think this sort of what it's it's interesting because you know in the in the cartoon series itself that's i mean obviously that you know that potential is there the whole time but uh he almost, he almost never. One, I sort of wanted like that. One of the central, you know, features of his character is that he never really uses his power in an overbearing way. Um, I guess you should say he sort of has a, a a little bit in common with Superman there, right? He never, he never, almost never goes full out, mm. um, and uh, you know, even uh, even when when he's at his worst. Uh, I mean, and there's there are scenes where he's like, you know, clearly he 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 is the most powerful man in the universe. He there's this one scene where he lifts up Castle Grayskull. He just he lifts up the whole castle um, because I think yeah, it had been transported to an alternate dimension, and he had to throw it through a portal. So he just lifts up the whole castle and throws it through this portal back to Eternia. Um, That's pretty badass. Yeah, and. I mean, it's a not a small castle, right? Um. <laughs> no, I think as long as you're using the term castle, I think we can all agree it is a larger than normal thing to lift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like unless it's on a, a putting a mini golf course or something, I think you're safe. Yeah, yeah, but there, you know, there are times when he's he's fighting with uh, Skeletor or his or his evil minions, and so I mean, if if he can lift a castle, he could easily just you know break their arms. Probably That's kill them true. if he wanted to, um, but you know he always does it in a very measured way. I would say, and that's I think one of the sort of the things that I guess in my own life I try to carry over as a moral lesson from the series. You know, um, like that having the power isn't about 
I guess, trying to rule over other people. It's about, you know, using it um, maybe in service of others. That's sort of like the, what I would say is the, the ethics of He-Man. Um, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I mean, we can debate the degree to which actually that's that. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, in, in the version of myself that I like to pretend I am, I certainly do. The Without important fail. thing is that you're trying, right? At the end of the day, the important thing is that we're all trying to be a little more He-Man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or she or Edges. And, yeah, or Cringer, the battle cat. So why don't we jump into the list? Uh, Mark has brought us a list of the the uh, top five B-list characters from the, the, Master of the uh, Masters of the Universe animated series. Uh, he challenged me to look through the list of characters and pick some of my own since I'm not as, uh, as well versed as him. Let's just, uh, we'll, we'll go back and forth in our classic dueling list where I'll say my number five and then Mark will say his and we'll work our way up our lists. If, if I say one that's on Mark's list before it shows up, he'll just let me know to stop and we'll discuss it when we get to it on, on his part of the list and vice versa. Okay. So. I will start. I, I'm going to start with number five on mine. And mm-hmm. as I was researching, I think maybe it wasn't on the ones that you considered main characters. But as I researched, I thought maybe uh, I'm cheating a bit with this one. But I went with Merman. You know, uh, I don't think that's cheating. Um, okay. It's I'll, I, I, I have a similar one, actually. It's my number five. Um, and I'll explain why it's not cheating. But go ahead, sir. Okay. What appeals so- to you about Merman? Uh, I, I remember him as a toy. He, he sort of looks like um, it looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon from that old movie and, and its sequels. He's he's a sea creature. He's a fish. But the thing that always stood out to me about him, even as an action figure, was he's got these big white eyes and tiny black pupils. So he always looks like he's just been surprised by something. And he because of that, he's never struck me as a particularly frightening villain he just always is like looks like someone just like jumped out from behind him and and yelled boo so that's why he made my list he seems like a a, he i think in revamps of the series there there have been a few different attempts to to reboot the he-man universe and they tend to always minimize the gigantic eyes and make him look more threatening or creepy or monstrous Mm -hmm. but that original look he just looks weird. He's this big muscled man with fins on his head and scales and then just gigantic eyes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That's 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 very fair. And it's, you know, one of the interesting things is uh, there's a, a marked difference sometimes between the the villains who were introduced um, in, in the first season, like Merman or Beastman or Trapjaw, and the ones that were introduced later on. Um, tends to be that the ones that were introduced in the first season were just, you know, um, unintelligent, um, just there to most of the time receive insults from Skeletor. Um, many of which were, were just great. Um, and that's one thing that, you know, I, I sincerely hope that. So the, one of the things that I want to see in the new series um, is just a little bit of it poking fun at itself. So a little bit of that sort of um, Skeletor kind of insults, um, and you know, I mean, in 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 the in nowadays, who better to deliver those insults than than Mark Hamill? 
right? True. Um, you know, I mean, hearing that he was cast as Skeletor is just, you know, it's it's like the the two sides of my my geekery are just. <laughs> had a he's <child>. also. <laughs> He's he's so famous for for doing the voice of the Joker and coming up with that crazy mm. Joker laugh that everyone's tried to emulate since then. And I remember when he did the voice of the Hobgoblin on the Spider-Man animated series from around the same time. It was a very similar laugh, like he didn't change much. But for Skeletor, mm. he's brought in something new. Like you hear in that trailer, it is a new, different, uh, scary laugh from Mark Hamill. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. Um, I was worried that you know that I but I wouldn't like it at first um, just because the, the, the classic Skeletor laugh is just, you know, it's iconic. Um, I used to be able to do a decent impression, but I won't butcher it too much now. Um, but, you know, one thing I did really love with the, the way the laugh was in the trailer is just how, you know, the just pause, it went to black almost as if it's over. And then, ah, this is one of the things <laughs> we're waiting for. Right. Um, great. Great, great uh, cinematography there, I guess. Um, I mean, I so, do feel like we could do a whole, like, I could talk about Skeletor for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it, yeah. it's definitely a few. So, actually, I guess it's not as far removed as I thought. Apparently, in the terms of lore, Merman is pretty high up in Skeletor's hierarchy. Yeah, so and, he's one of the, he's sort of one of the, I guess you could say, um, a B-list villain or not? It's it's hard to know. So the this was so my my number five and also B-list or not um, is Trapjaw. Uh, so so why why might uh, they be B-list? Well, they don't they don't appear in literally every episode, um, you know, uh, and and they're not sort of super high in the hierarchy, right? Um, you know, it's Kind of the pecking order is Skeletor, Evil Lynn, and then the Rabble, sort of. Um, and they're sort of in there. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you watch the sort of the intro to the series, you know, the, the lead credits, um, there are there are four faces that pop up as as the foes of, of He-Man. Um, and Evil Lynn's not there, but Trapjaw, Merman, and Beastman are. Um, Anyways, I went with Trapjaw because uh, so what's what's his gimmick? Um, okay, so he's he's got two things. Um, one thing is he's got like a um, a powerful jaw, like he's he's kind of been like he's got like cybernetics basically. Um, so he's a little bit of a Borg, you might say. Um, he doesn't belong to a collective, but um, he is technology enhanced. Um, so he's got this jaw that can pretty much bite through almost anything. Um, and one of his arms is replaced with a prosthetic where he can just basically like attach whatever weapon he wants. Um, usually it's a blaster, but it can be uh, a club. It can be a whatever. Um, Although, yeah, I'm looking over the list right now. It's huge. He has this like arsenal that he can mount in his arm and he decides to name himself after the jaw thing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it could be a flamethrower. It can be a laser. It could be an elongated laser. It can be a freeze ray. It can be a welder. But he decides to go for metal jaw. I, I mean, yeah. that's his choice as a professional, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I suppose they couldn't 
uh, you know, the naming convention is in these is it's that's what the guy is. So that's uh, that's a. Uh, um, Although I guess that that applies for Merman, right? What what's Merman? Well, he's the fish guy, right? Yeah. Um, what's Trapjaw? Um, he's the guy yeah, with the black jaw. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, he's... an amazing arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I could guess, call him amazing arm. The, well, the problem is there are too many arm-based characters. <laughs> <laughs> sure, there really are. Um, I'll. I, I oh, may talk they, about if one they of made them later. Nordic, if they made him Nordic, they called called him Swiss Army Knife. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it writes itself, people. It does. It does. One of my my favorite things that I'm noticing here is that uh, in the the rebooted series, Kevin Conroy, the classic animated mm-hmm. series Batman, is going to be the voice of Merman, and Diedrich Bader, who was the voice of Batman in Batman: Brave and the Bold. He is the voice of Trapjaw. We got two Batman already. Yeah. Have you have you noticed the other one yet? The one that's yeah. going to make you flip your lid. Uh, um, well, let's let's save it. I don't want to. All right. Uh, we'll we'll uh, save it. Yeah. It's not <laughs> this character isn't on any of my lists. I did I did own the action figure, but we'll get to that later. Um, okay. You'll you'll flip outs. Okay. So yeah. So Trapjaw is my my number five. So he, I, I swear, when I look through some of these action figures, especially the early ones and, and some of the figures in the the animated series, more than a lot of 80s action animated series, it feels like they the toys and stuff come from completely different toy lines. Like Trapjaw doesn't really fit in that he's got that weird jaw and the weird arm and then beyond that there's i can't remember what he is but he's sort of like that he's one of he-man's friends he's he's like a short guy that bounces and you can jump and spin and bump we'll into talk about guy. him later oh, actually okay <laughs> and then you got orco orco seems like a completely different toy set orco is the the you know the cowardly floating character that that uh helps he-man out he's a sort of a bad wizard right yeah, I mean there 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 definitely were some one-offs, um, uh, but you know a lot of them were just reused from other toy lines, or well, at some point they were cannibalized from their own toy line, um, which is an interesting feature of one I'll I'll discuss later on. But uh, but yeah, so Trapjaw is is also interesting because because he stands out, and uh, one of the features that's sort of like. I guess challenging but interesting to animate about him is that because he's not symmetrical, um, it you can't reuse him in the same way. Um, oh, you can't just it, flip the image to have him yeah. turn around. Yeah, yeah, but that also raises the possibility for his robot arm to be on the wrong side, which does happen from time to time. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> all right, well let's let's go to the number fours. My number four, and again, this was all based on just reading names off of a list and being delighted by what I, I found as I dug into them. This is a one-off character. His name is Shigora. I, I think I'm pronouncing that properly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't is he on your list? No, he's not. Okay. He is an ancient one from Lovecraft, basically. He's a weird tentacle blob monster, but he's also more powerful than Skeletor. Like Skeletor, I believe, brings him into the world uh, to Mm -hmm. defeat He-Man, but uh, 
Shigora quickly proves to be better than Skeletor and, and wants to take over. And I think the Skeletor and He-Man have to do an unlikely team up to defeat him. He's so powerful that he takes Sorceress, the He-Man's friend who who is a powerful sorceress. Uh, they, you know, they, the name suits her. He mm-hmm. turns her into like a weird harpy beast. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy that like this Lovecraft monster is in a, a He-Man series, this kid's Saturday morning cartoon. I love it. Yeah, you it, know, I, they they some some parts of that series are really show really interesting imagination. Um, others don't. <laughs> uh, like my number four, um, but uh, but some do. Um, some I, do. I just think one of the things that sets him apart is, especially in this series, is that that character was not intended to be an action figure. And so many of the things in yeah. the, the show are either created to become action figures or, or very easily could be action figures, or they made the action figure and then they had to like work them into the series somehow. This thing, it's impossible that they could make an action figure of it in the 80s, you know, when they're just basically going it's not impossible but when they're going from the basic mold and trying to crank these things out as quickly as possible mm. that one is going to take a whole new setup to yeah, create this, this one isn't a person but i mean i feel like there's a lot of similarity design wise here with like slimer from ghostbusters like mm-hmm. it's sort of a similar face like i can sort of see them using like that and just like instead That's of true. having the little vestigial arms on them you just make little tentacles and you're 90 percent of the way there that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, he's mean, pretty cool. He's got one eye. He's got a bunch of teeth. He's amazing. He is. He was a, a pretty cool villain. Um, it's a, it's a shame that uh, we never got to reuse him. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be an interesting action figure. But yeah, yeah the tentacles like get in the way, right? Um, the tentacles always get in the way. Uh, <laughs> Let's, let's Another not, one of those life lessons. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not go down that road too far. Um, that works for me. Let's move on. <laughs> I wonder so, if they'll ever bring him back in this Kevin Smith series. Would be interesting to see. So my number four uh, is actually very very similar in in some ways to your number five um, because my number four is Stinkor. Um, <laughs> So Stinkor never actually uh, appeared in, in the series, but he's like one of the most famous, famous toys. Uh, so, so what is he's basically, um, he's a reuse of the Merman figure. Um, but instead of just being uh, green, he's painted like a skunk. Um, and then they strap a different uh, chest piece on him. Um, and his power is, he smells bad. He smells really bad. Um, <laughs> and it's like one of the most interesting things about him is that like the action figure was specifically made to smell bad. Um, like they mixed, uh, basically they, with the plastic, they mixed patchouli oil. Um, and another one of the sort of the legends is that like, if you could just find your stink or wherever it is, you'd find it still smells. Um, yeah. So like this was a skills. super popular one for parents. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they loved it. Um, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, but but, but is- yeah, it was just it was it's. I honestly, I until until I was going back to it, I didn't realize that that the character never appeared 
in the TV show. Because when I think of like the the standout action figures, um, uh, I guess this is the one one of the ones that stands out. Not not for a good reason, obviously, but um, but yeah. Uh, so Stinkor is my is my number four. He's a pretty cool figure, and and they're you know as much as the uh, animated series is sort of come and gone with the times and the remakes have, have not always landed quite as well. The action figures have always seemed to be present. And, and right now there's a, a you know, we, the, we talk about the Funko pop figures. Uh, I think there's a, a scented Stinkor coming uh, uh, through of one of those, uh, like uh, one of these uh, Funko pops of Stinkor and it, and it also smells. Oh man, it would be great if that sort of um, doubled as like a perfume sprayer. <laughs> Everything we just said sounds incredibly unwise. <laughs> How are you going to market that? I, I I guess it's sort of like it becomes a prank. Is that what happens? Well, I think at the time in the eighties, they they were trying anything i I don't know if uh mark's got it on the list i didn't include him because i can't remember his name now but there was a figure or a a toy that was released and never ended up in the animated series and it you would roll this thing on its back and it would shoot sparks out of its mouth this was a toy for children yeah oh I, i can picture the mechanism yeah yeah i don't remember i don't remember the name but i did own that toy Oh my god, it's amazing you didn't burn your house down. Yeah. Uh for that and other reasons. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they they I I think it was just a gimmick to try and and set it apart on the store shelf. You're like, you know, this toy glows in the dark. This one shoots rockets. This one stinks like patchouli. Yeah, this one smells really bad. Buy it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean okay. so so many of the of the things were like that. Um, you know, so what, what is a thing that, that, that could happen, right? Like, um, oh, uh, this guy's a, this guy's a mix between a spider. Let's call him like Webster. Um, <laughs> not to be confused with Webster, uh, <laughs> Different a very show. family centric show. <laughs> um, or, um, the, uh, many of them were so very literal. Right. I, um, I've got a great one later in my list. So let's let's okay. save it for that. All right. I, yeah. Yeah. So, so do I. It. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's uh, so. So, yeah. Now to number three. Right. Mm-hmm. My number three is Moss Man. Ah, another figure that was supposedly supposed to smell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. What is he supposed to smell like? Do you remember? Plants, presumably. Yeah. Moss. Probably patchouli as well. Yeah. Uh, but his, he, he was in two episodes. He was another, oh, apparently he came with fresh pine scent. Mm. That sounds much better than, than patchouli. Yeah. Just uh, hang him from your, uh, from your car window. And as his name up. indicates, he is a man made of moss. <laughs> well, yeah. Pretty right? literal by the end. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then that's all right. Then yeah, he would smell like a forest, I suppose. <laughs> So hey, uh, the toy was a, a redo of the Beastman toy, and Beastman was was very f- furry. So they mm-hmm. just turned like the fur green, and now instead of it being fur, it was it was moss. Mm-hmm. And his his powers on the show, he was in two episodes, and his powers were that he could uh, communicate with moss and and interact with plant life. I watched a clip where 
uh, He-Man is, is going to introduce another character to him and they almost trip over him because when he goes to sleep, he actually turns into a pile of vegetation, whatever, whatever plant life is nearby. He just becomes, he seems, he seems pretty useless. And, and it really, to me, screamed of like, we're running out of ideas for new toys and, and let's, let's just look at what's uh, immediately around us. Oh, Moss. There's, there's our toy, Moss Man. Let's work him into the show. So I, I kind of love how uh, low effort he seems to be on all levels, like low effort in character design, low effort in, in just like reusing another action figure to make him. It's it's uh, I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's certainly true. Um, towards the end. Yeah, they just did. Yeah. Whatever idea they had. Yeah. Um... No, mine, mine's later on the list. I'll, I'll wait. Uh, mine's <laughs> my number two. Um, okay. But yeah. Um, so I'll maybe I'll get to my number three, which is it's weird sort of in the way that I'm trailing you because my number three has similarities with your number four. Um, okay. My number three is uh, Granamere. Oh, so I don't think uh, they came up in my research. That's right. Um, so Granamere was like... Um, Basically, the the head the head of the ancient dragons of of dark smoke, um, big sort of big fantasy element. He was actually in about four episodes, um, and you know I've always maybe since then, but maybe before that I've always loved dragons, um, uh, and there was a, a lot of really interesting episodes with him. Um, so one of the sort of the first episode in which he's introduced. He's not only like an ancient dragon, but he's like the the second oldest living thing on all of Eternia. Um, and and the, old, the only older living thing is um, basically the, the oldest tree, like the, um, the treant, the, uh, what was his name? Yeah, tree beard figure. Yeah, tree beard, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, the sort of the episode gets going um, and uh, man at arms gets, gets turned into crystal or something. Um, and they've got to go, uh, they've got to go find this sort of magic cure. And then they realize, you know, like the dragons have this ancient knowledge. Um, and basically what, what, what Granomir says is sure, I'll, I'll help you, but you've got to kill this. Um, the only other thing in the world that's older than me. Um, and uh, that's not how the story ended up. Um, of course, they they went um, and you know they they met the ancient tree and they talked with the tree about um, why they were there, why they needed to kill him. And he's like, well, you know, a, a previous man at arms um, saved saved the forest, so yeah, I'm okay with you killing him. Um, Aww. Uh, and they they decided not to. They said like, we can't do this. Um, so they go back to the dragon. They're like, "We can't do this. It's um, morally wrong for various reasons." And um, so the dragon does an about face, and he says, "Yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, maybe that was the lesson he was trying to teach them all along. <laughs> maybe, yeah, right. maybe he just said, okay, you know what? I can't be. I can't be such a um, bad person.' You know what, kids? When a ten thousand year old dragon tells you to go kill a tree, sometimes you shouldn't." And that's <laughs> and actually that sort of was the the moral at the end of the story. Um, 
Right. Which was, yeah, it's like, He-Man's got to kill a tree. But you know what? Um, you guys should rethink that. You guys should respect nature and stuff. Um, I love that he wears a, a helmet with horns on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, why? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's always sort of uh, my one of my one of my sincere regrets um, for this upcoming series is that you know um, with Sean Connery having passed, <laughs> can't voice Grandamere. Um, Wait, did he voice it originally, or is it no, just no, no? Perfect, but this is that would just a, be the perfect casting. Okay, yeah, this is a bad. This is a, a Dragonheart reference. Um, gotcha. Maybe, okay, maybe I'm the only person who remembers that movie for good. <laughs> I think. I think if the, the things that Sean Connery are remembered for, you know, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be on the first page. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, like he he also did The Rock. Um, oh, and there was that spy thing he did once. Actually, a couple <laughs> of times. Sorry, dog, I mean, of course. It's the first thing that came to mind is all is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, Man. in my mind, it's Zardoz, Dragonheart, and then the other stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. He's a big pink dragon. So just to be clear, he he's a hero character after that episode? Yeah. I'm a, he's sort of like a neutral character. He'll help okay. him out. He's not a bad guy. He's He doesn't really get involved. Um He'll help them if they absolutely need it, but he's not part of the sort of their allies. Um, at least not, not not in a way that you can really call on him unless unless it's something that only he can do. I feel um, so out of the loop. I'm looking through this. There's so many dragon episodes. I had no idea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I won't say half of them, but more than but it's a big deal. All right. So what do you got that beats Pink Dragon in a Viking helmet? Well, my number two is uh, he's a character, another, I, I imagine he must be another sort of remodel of one of the classics. The, the classic character is Triclops. I don't know if mm-hmm. he's going to be later on the list, but he that was a character that had an, a, a sort of a three different eyes around its head and each eye could do different things. And on the toy, you could like spin the eyes around to, which to have a different one in front. This guy is taking the basic concept and taking it to another level. It's Manny Faces, otherwise uh, known as Manny. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember this one. <laughs> is he on your list, Mark? He's not on my list, but he, I was definitely going to talk about him. He's one of those sort of uh, classic, what What does he do? Oh, he's got Manny Faces. Um, there's this other guy named Mechanic. What what does he do? Yeah, He's got was, a mechanical neck that stretches. I was hoping someone was going to put Mega Neck on there. He's he's there by by way of a type, right? Uh, right. I'll accept that. But so, my my next one is is also actually my next two are of a type. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's hit Manny faces. Um, so in the toy. In the toy, his many faces, he has three faces. That's his many faces. One is is just a regular human face, although it's He-Man style, so he looks kind of like a superhero, but that, that's considered his normal human face. Then he's got a monster face, and then he's got a robot face. And based on how that works, it's like when he's got the robot face, he's very smart, and he's robotic, and he's like cold and unfeeling, and he doesn't have to breathe, even though the other faces are still there. They're just turned away, but 
robot face doesn't need to breathe and he's got the monster face and he's all like scary and monstrous Mm -hmm. and and that makes sense for the toy and it seems like it would be an interesting character thing but when they put him in the cartoon it was like he has those three faces and then he can also make any face appear and he's like a master of disguise and he just wants to be an actor and it seems like it defeats the whole purpose of him only having three faces (laughs) after his very first appearance it's uh, pretty hilarious. And, and I love the idea that he's just this struggling actor. Oh, I've got these three faces. I just want to act. That's all I want. It, it, he's this giant muscle bound He-Man figure who wants to be Lawrence Olivier. Uh, I I was really uh, overjoyed when I discovered this guy. Yeah, it's interesting because um, like his other faces kind of turn out to be a liability more than an advantage. So his his monster face. There's an episode where like Beastman can control it because he's he's a beast, um, and I I can't recall if there's a a problem with his his robot face, but like Probably yeah, they just act. Yeah, very well could. Although I don't know, I don't know if we really had the concept of hacking back then um, in the '80s. I don't think so. Well, War games doesn't uh, doesn't Matthew Broderick do some hacking in that some some you know introductory hacking? I, I mean, well, I guess specifically to the point of like a robot person, right? Could be, but uh, I mean that's but that's getting pretty deep into like transhumanism. I, I feel like that's not what the the creators of Manny Faces had in mind. <laughs> no, um, oh Manny Faces, such a great name. <laughs> I, I enjoy that they list that he under family that he has a great aunt named Countess Betsy. <laughs> I swear they they just they just did whatever they wanted on this show. Like nothing mattered. The Fantastic. creative freedom must have been in well hmm, because it wasn't creative freedom, was it? They said, "Hey, we made a toy where you can spin the top around; it's different faces. Make a story for this guy." So maybe it was the opposite of creative freedom. Maybe it was a nightmare. I, I mean, in the clip I watched when he's he's like cycling through, he, he shows his, his three faces and then he's like doing different faces for the different characters on the show. And then he goes to Orko and Orko is best known for having this big hat. A hat <laughs> drops out of the sky onto his head. It's <laughs> no rhyme or reason to it. It's fantastic. He was a, he was a great character. Yeah. Um, but uh, I went I went from my number two. I went with one of these types, um, and it's obviously not many faces. It's not neck and neck. Um, this character is actually maybe more of a C-list character. Um, he did appear on the um, he did appear on the animated series, yeah. Um, and he he's the uh, the setup for a lot of bad jokes. Um, it could be no <laughs> wow. other no other than Fisto, right? right? I knew so, Fisto was going to end up on the list. That's why I didn't put him on mine. Well, I mean, I, I had to, right? Um, look, had to. I, I had the uh, presence of mind not to put him directly behind Stinkor. So, um, <laughs> That's appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, so so oh, what Lord. was this character? He was just a big, strong guy with a giant fist <laughs> of metal. And he could punch things. And that's, uh, that's pretty much it, right? Like. 
What can we do, it's guys? Insane. It feels like a Venture Brothers parody character, mm-hmm. and yet this was a legitimate recurring character in the yeah. franchise. Yeah. Uh, on the oh no, I guess it does. Okay, yeah. Well, there's a couple of different interpretations of this fist. Like, so, like sometimes he doesn't have the glove on, and he just has this like hideous giant hand. Yeah. And then other times, I guess we're supposed to think it's like a like a like a prosthetic. Like an oversized cybernetic <laughs> augmentation. Yeah, I think it. I mean, in the original one, it was. Uh, I think never. There was never anything other than just the the big metal fist. Um, so to never me, got if, that depth if, later on. But to me, yeah. it feels like a, a a mystery that should have been kept as a mystery. Like like let that be a conversation in the fan base forever. Is it? Is it a real fist under there or is it just a giant, is it a giant glove? Like what has he got there? I don't want to know the truth. I want that mystery to, to last forever. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a fair point to say, um, <laughs> but you really, I mean, I guess so the counterpoint it, is, uh, you know, you sort of want that mystery to be solved because you don't, you don't want people to be talking about fistoing. <laughs> it's fair fisto should be swept under the rug yeah okay 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 yeah i don't know what else we could do about this without getting an explicit tag we we should probably yeah that's why i'm i'm stirring us away does he make your list just because of the name or is he also a ridiculous care or amazing character because he's so ridiculous okay um i mean the idea is just Let's make a character, and the only thing about him is, well, he's got a big fist. You know, I mean, that's just yeah. They, and there, there are other ones. You know, the the many many faces uh, was a recurring character, so you got like a bit of character development to him. Um, Mechanic was kind of, you know, more of a close to being a main cast guy, so at least like. You know, there was there was some character development there, um, but you know, they're just running out at the end and like, well, what's a what's a thing we haven't done yet? <laughs> Guy's a really big fist. There you go, right? Um, Genius. I'm I'm gonna go with the assumption that this was like a like there was an accident on the like the toy line that's manufacturing <laughs> figures, and they're like, oh, we just made like. 700 of these action figures that one of the hands is horribly misshaped. What do we do? And then, you know, one guy in a suit in the back, like the light bulb appears above his head as he has his eureka moment. And we flip wipe to Fisto. <laughs> I just, I, 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 nobody, nobody said, let's make a toy where one of the hands is really good. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make sense. That, 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 that did not happen. We don't live in that universe. This had to be a manufacturing accident. <laughs> Or that sabotage, could, like yeah, Mjolnir. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they just like, um, they were reusing um, a toy from a previous line and they just, they, they missized that previous line and they just had all these big arms laying around. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that has to be it. What, what, what kind of mind would just, just come up with the idea of a guy with a giant fist and that's, that's all he is? That's a question for the ages. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go on to my number one. Mm -hmm. And it was a character I was very surprised to find because he really does not, almost as much as Shigora doesn't really fit with this universe, this character also seemed really out there, at least to me. It's 
Plundor. Uh, I don't suppose that's also your number one. No, no. Plundor is a what the hell am I looking at? (laughs) This is a giant pink rabbit who is like a crime boss and wants to be really wealthy. That is it. He's a big pink angry rabbit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he at one point wipes. He's only in one episode. He wipes He-Man's mind, I think, and tries to to make him work for him. But He-Man can't won't do it. And eventually Orko makes him use the power of gray skull and it it fixes He-Man and no longer wants to work with. I got to be clear here. Like, so this is a pink bunny, like person, like he's bipedal. Yeah. He's just fuzzy and has the ears. And he's also wearing this. I mean, I guess appropriate for the series, this Frank Frazetta sort of corset thing. Like, like it's all collar and loincloth and then just a single strip cloth down the middle. Yeah, but you don't and think about it as much because he's also a pink rabbit. Like if it right. was on a and that's for a man, you've got to have the strip down the middle for decency. Right? <laughs> I, I'm just saying that if it, the rabbit was wearing like jeans and a t-shirt, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's a rabbit guy. But <laughs> but this is like a rabbit guy in some serious kink it's, wear. It's he like, looks like a Zardoz outfit. Yes, yeah. yes, it does. That's exactly what it is. It's the Zardoz <laughs> bikini or mankini. Another Sean this Connery connection. Pink, brilliant. Red, even the big red high, like knee high boots. It's, oh god! And there's a shot of him like looking around, like checking out his tail sticking out of the back of the man panties. <laughs> like, anyway, this, this is insane, wild, and really doesn't seem to fit with the. I mean, maybe from the neck down, for the most part, he fits the He Man universe. Like, like Zardons would not be out of place in He Man. But no. the rabbit head really makes him something special. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, um, right. His planet was that he was like just polluting this, this planet to. Right, right. It's a pollution right? thing. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe they wanted to make, make him just like so inhuman um, uh, to drive home the lesson about pollution being bad. Like no, nothing. You, uh only something even like vaguely anthropomorphic could do that. I don't right. Know. No human um, could pollute this much. Only a bunny. <laughs> the scourge of the forest. Yeah. Oh, geez. Some of the action figures don't even have the top. They're just his fuzzy <laughs> rabbit pecs. That's right. This is That's just. That's right. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, before we. <laughs> Before we break Jesse, what's what's your number one, Mark? My number one, and and this is not my number one, just because uh, because the name sounds a little risque. Um, my number one is Ram Man. Ram Man, okay. Ram. You, you didn't want to put is... Fisto behind Stinkor, but you're okay with Fisto and Ram Man being together. Yeah. I right. actually there there's a there's a so who's Ram Man? Ram Man, you were sort of is the one you were mentioning before. You couldn't remember his name. He's just he he's a he's a kind of stocky guy. Um, he's got a sort of metal helmet on, um, and he's got springy legs. And his power is he rams people. Um, <laughs> like he he launches himself on his springy legs right at bad guys and knocks them out of the way. Um, so why did I choose this as as my number one? B-list character. Um, 
because the he actually he is one of the um the more frequent recurring good guy characters um and sort of almost almost as if he's like part of the palace guard um and his characterization is really um problematic at times um you could almost take him as like a like a poster child for a traumatic brain injury um because his like most of the time he's characterized as this like just unintelligent oaf um who uh who knows he's gonna get uh, a head injury when he springs at guys and um he does it anyways and each time he's sort of got he doesn't quite have the birds around his head but he's woozy afterwards he's like oh i guess i shouldn't have done that <laughs> um and yet there are episodes later on where like um they have an intervention and sit him down to talk about concussions, <laughs> like they're working PR Not for the exactly, NFL. But it's, it's sort of uh, where, you know, like he's sort of, um, you know, it's a, I'm not as stupid as I pretend to be. Um, so there is a little bit of nuance there. I mean, I don't know why you have to pretend to be that stupid, but, um, but yeah, he's, uh, He's a good guy, though, right? Like, yeah. so his oh, heart's in the guy. right place. He's a good guy. His heart's in the right place. He's sort of like the, yeah, yeah. In many ways, thinking about the character, he's like uh, a parody of an aggressive, like football tackle, um, right? Just running at stuff um, and thought not to be intelligent. So you know, you can you can draw whatever lessons from that that you want. Maybe um, maybe they were trying to teach you something. Um, Maybe that's why I was never interested in football. Um, but he, he also like like Plundor doesn't seem to fit the the He Man franchise. Ram Man, other than the fact that he's in the show as often as he is, and he's he's like when I think about characters from it, he does come to mind a lot. And and again, I think it's mainly because he was in enough episodes, mm-hmm. but. He really doesn't seem to fit the mold either, uh, from a toy perspective or from any perspective. Really, he's shorter, he's stockier, and he has these like springy legs. Yeah, um, you know, I come to think of it, I don't even know if I had that toy. Um, it's time to fix that. I, I feel yeah. like I feel like if you were a kid, you'd sort of feel like it was a crappy toy. You know, like it's it's yeah, you're not getting your money. It's smaller worth. than the others, and it doesn't seem like it really does anything. Like it. Like he's got like dress up axes and different helmets and stuff, but yeah, and the sort of the engineering that would be required to make that toy live up to the the the, the cartoon version probably just not not possible in an action figure, you know. I mean, you could just pick them up and pitch them at your friends. Uh, that would work just as well. Um, great idea. <laughs> of course, you know. I mean, any children listening to this episode, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Um, just, just be glad you uh, uh, you don't have real lawn darts anymore either. Um, those were <laughs> incredibly dangerous. Um, the most dangerous game, dive yeah. bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah, the toy doesn't really seem to do much. Like I feel like the visual design on. Well, I mean, he looks cool enough. He's got a big skull belt and stuff. But just in terms of what the toy does, you'd probably be kind of let down. Yeah, you know, he doesn't stink. <laughs> yeah. he doesn't, uh he doesn't have he didn't get battle damage um he's not covered in yeah, moss um he's not uh there was this one uh what was 
was his name? Hose Nose, who's like an elephant. Um, and he, he actually, I consider yeah, he him. actually sprayed this toy actually sprayed water. Like you could fill up a little tank in the back and spray water out his hose nose. And obviously I did, but that's how I know that. Yeah. Obviously. Um, too bad you can spray slime out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before, before we move on, can I just sneak in Mechanek as a, an honorable mention? Definitely, he, he was a very I, honorable character. Mechanek is delightful. I mean, the point is like the toy, its neck extends, mm. and the, the, what they try to do with the story was try to be like it, it, it's for spying, like he can peek over fences and stuff because mm-hmm. his neck extends and his head goes up real high. And like, of all the terrible story justifications, like to try and make this toy work. I I I I find that one delightful. God, yeah. this is oh god! They actually tried. Yeah, he was given his bionic neck by Man at Arms after his neck was badly injured in severe storm winds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, okay. I sort of remember this toy. He's got the same sort of front pieces as yeah, Stinkhorn right, does. Yeah. Yeah, um, amazing glasses. And then they rebooted the cartoon, uh, or like about ten years ago. Like his whole thing is that he has an inferiority complex because his powers are stupid because it's just an extending <laughs> neck. Yep. Uh, oh, I can't. Wow. I can't recall one time when when he ever saved the day. Um, yeah. Oh. There might have been one thing, maybe you know, like if He Man's really up high on the mountain, he can sort of go and pass the message. Um, uh, <laughs> So you're saying he he didn't uh, stick his neck out enough? Very good. Very good. All right. I just wanted to put that in there. Just I love the name. I love the toy. I love the desperate and completely failed attempt to to make something of it. Just inserting my two cents. There you go. No, that's he's. uh, It's a great insert. He's um, taking the uselessness of Stilt Man to a whole new level. Stilt Man being a classic Daredevil villain. So the yeah, one yeah. thing, the one thing we didn't cover, the one thing, the Please. revelation is Tony Todd is in it. Tony Todd is voicing a character. Right. Man. He's voicing Scare. Who never Glow, appeared in the original like, um, at all. Uh, but I did have the toy because it's not a great name. Dark, right? I mean, Glow in the Dark right. stuff is cool. It's cool to this day. <laughs> so Tony Todd is legendary voice actor and horror uh, actor who was uh, he's, he's best known as Candyman to most of the world. But for those of us in the Star Trek world, he is best known as Worf's brother, Kern mm-hmm. and grown up Jake Sisko. Yes. Um, he's amazing. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. The cast of the new show is pretty, pretty intense. All the, the names they've got on here. Uh, Henry Rollins, who is a, he's a hardcore, uh, singer. I think he, he plays Triclops, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Root. Alicia, yeah. Stephen Root from, from tons of stuff, but probably most famous for news radio. He's also in, uh, uh, uh the horror movie that was a huge hit a couple of years ago. Anyway, he's, he's in that. Uh, yeah, so he's doing the voice of of Cringer, the the Battle Cat, mm-hmm. and Alan Oppenheimer, uh, the original Skeletor, is 
they brought him back as well. So, so I know it's it's a big controversial in the fan base having uh, the the original voice of Skeletor being in the show, but not doing the voice of Skeletor. Well, could he still do that voice? Like that is not an easy voice to do. No, it's true. Time has passed. He could probably do it, but I think you know you you want it. You want it, cool. a, a fresh break, right? He's um, ninety one years old. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to be screeching anymore. Yeah, you, you sort of have a similar parallel in the Transformers community, where like everybody wants Frank Welker to do Megatron, and it's, right? And it's just like it's you know what? It's fine. It doesn't have to be the same. Like it's it's okay, guys. Even Peter Cullen as uh, even Optimus Peter Cullen's Prime. getting pretty old. If you if you watched like a 1980s episode of Transformers and then like watch one of the new series, like even if they do cast Peter Cullen, which they don't always do, you can notice the difference. He's getting right. old. He's getting tired. Yeah, I, you know, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, it's going to be. It's a new interpretation, and you know, everyone should you know, gets to give their their sort of version of the character. And I'm, you know, I, I want to see Mark Hamill's version of it. Um, I've already seen Alan Oppenheimer's version. Um, it was great. It was iconic. But, yeah, you know, it's a, this is close to 40 years later. Times do change. So, We're getting so, old, the guys. And I'm curious what they're gonna do. I mean, like you were t- like we were discussing earlier. I mean, an all star cast and the trailer looked like it was taking itself. Like it, it didn't seem to be very tongue in cheek. And I, like, I, I, I can see them making that work with He Man and Skeletor. You know, having a big magic barbarian fight a wizard skeleton is okay. But like, how are you gonna redo Ramaman? You know how how are you gonna redo Mecha Neck? Like how are you like I don't. I feel like there's no way to redo some of these characters when they're not very campy and silly. And that doesn't seem to be the tone of the show. Yeah. Um, I are, I don't know if all of them are in it. Um, I mean, that's the obvious solution, right? But then what is, I mean, like, you know, the toys came first. That's the pedigree of the show. Like if he man, isn't a toy commercial, what is it? I guess. Like, is it a serious drama? Like, are we looking at Game of Thrones level, you know, story and character? Like, it seems unlikely. But that's what we may guess. Um, we will have to revisit it once the series comes out, I guess. And we have a chance to to dive into it and, and see. Like, like, I feel like so many of us grew up with these cartoons. And at the time, it was the first shows we saw, the first fiction we saw. And so we... They, they are the foundations for what we, we would like in TV and in fiction and whatnot. And then you go back to them later, and a lot of the times, they're a lot sillier than you remembered. Mm-hmm. They're a lot weirder than you remembered. And and this feels like it's like, we're going to take your rose-colored nostalgia version of He-Man and make a cartoon of that. Does that, seem, does that sound fair? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think there was a um, one of Kevin Smith's sort of uh, know, YouTube posts or um, vignettes about this, where he sort of said they're going to do a little bit of a, about of that in the first maybe ten minutes or so, um, and then 
they're going to, there's going to be a break. Then it's going to adultify or something like that. Um, okay. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I think it, yeah. I think it would be uninteresting to just completely redo and, and not seriously change the 80s series. Um, because yeah, it was, I mean, there was, there were obviously some really like weird and standout episodes, right? Um, like with the tentacle guy. Um, but a lot of them were just humdrum, unimaginative, especially, you know, towards the end, right? They're running out of ideas. Um, in many ways, it's, you know, it's what happens on, on most series that have lots of episodes. Um, even our, even our beloved Star Trek. Um, yeah, fair enough. I guess we will wait and see. Um, Masters of the Universe Revelation uh, release date is 23rd of July, so it's not too far off. And we'll we'll see what the future has in store for, for He-Man and, and the eponymous Masters of the Universe, whoever they may be. Yes, looking forward to it. All right. Well, Mark Schrantz, He-Man expert, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, please do make sure to send around that uh, that photograph you mentioned because I feel like that's going to be the icon for the podcast. Uh, for the <laughs> would episode. you be okay with that? I I I would not have sent it if I wasn't okay with it. Nice, good yeah. man. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. While we're giving out thanks, also want to give thanks and introduce our new personal in-house composer. No, not really, but uh, he did a great job for us in putting together our new theme song, uh, the Geek Top 5 Season 5 theme song. Extra special thanks to Oliver Wickham. Uh, he's just fantastic. Uh, you can check out some of his other stuff that he's done on Spotify. And uh, in addition to that, of course, finally, want to thank all of you at home. You know, Geek Top 5, again, we are now in Geek Top 5 Season 5. It's very exciting, and we couldn't be here without you. Um, you folks listen to the show, you tell us what we said that was wrong, and you suggest things you want to hear, and even volunteer to come on, like our, like our friend Mark Trans here, which is great. Um, we love getting your feedback. It's what fuels this. It's what makes the show what it is today. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or criticisms, please send them along. Graham, how can they get that to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. There's plenty of He-Man to watch while you're waiting, and again, the new one premieres on the 23rd. Uh, if you want to catch up on some of the hilarious characters you missed, there is a whole bevy of them, plenty enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.